You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Wolves. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast. My name is Ben Beacon. I am host of Locked On Wolves. Of course, Locked On Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. In addition to hosting Lockdown Wolves, I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, the show is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, as well as Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, the all-new Odyssey app. Anywhere you like to listen, you can also follow on Twitter at LockdownTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, CK. Ian, happy Thursday, happy post-game podcast. Minnesota Timberwolves defeated the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday night in Milwaukee by five points. It was a fantastic performance, a ton of fun. Uh, The Wolves actually led wire to wire, according to Dave Benz on Bally Sports North. This is the first game in the history of Fiserv Forum that the Bucks did not hold a lead at any point during the game. The Timberwolves literally led this thing wire to wire against the defending champs. Obviously, they weren't at full strength. Obviously, it's early in the season. Caveats still apply. Nonetheless, it was a fantastic and really impressive performance from the Timberwolves. We're going to get into the whole thing today on the show. I want to start with game flow, how the Wolves held on at the end when the Bucks are making a serious charge to overtake them uh, late in the game, which they, of course, never did at any point. Um, and then also uh, key takeaways from the game, which is always, I think, the most important part. What can we take from this game and hang our hat on moving forward, uh, including rotation? The offense looks a little different, all those things. Uh, and then we'll close with individual studs and duds and call it some of the players who had fantastic individual performances on Wednesday in Milwaukee. All right, let's start with game flow. So the Timberwolves, of course, were coming off a hideous performance on Monday against the Pelicans at home. Uh, you can go back if you want to relive uh, the the gory affair that was Monday night. Um, but the Wolves, actually, Saturday wasn't much better offensively, right? The Wolves were held under 100 points offensively both Saturday and Monday. Won a win, won a loss, both to a Zion Williamson-less Pelicans team. This is a Milwaukee Bucks team that did not have Brooke Lopez. Uh, they did return uh, Shemi Ojale and uh, Bobby Portis Jr. And of course, Giannis played. They also didn't have Drew Holiday. So, uh, you know, two of their best four players, certainly in Holiday and Lopez, not available, or I should say eh, probably, yeah, two of their best five players. Um, and, you know, they they weren't full strength. I get that. Um, still, the Timberwolves offense was phenomenal early in this game. They scored 44 points in the first quarter. The offense was just really, really solid early in the game. One of the, my big critiques from Monday's performance was the lack of an actual offense, right? The Timberwolves didn't really run much besides a poor transition offense, a poor secondary break into some kind of, you know, lackadaisical haphazard pick and rolls, right? And then there was some isolation from D'Angelo Russell, who really struggled, and Anthony Edwards, who had his his hot third quarter when he scored 21 points just in the third quarter on Monday, but otherwise was, was just kind of you know, didn't have his best game um, on Monday, that is. In this game, the Wolves were actually running actions that, offense that had multiple actions to it, right? So they were running lots of dribble handoffs on the perimeter. They had lots of Towns to D'Angelo Russell, Towns to Edwards dribble handoffs, which is just a more, I think, especially with Anthony Edwards, a more effective way uh, to basically run a pick and roll. And, you know, they did it with D'Lo and D'Lo is fine because he can sometimes get a good shot off from there more so than he can in the pick and roll. But dribble handoffs are so effective for Anthony Edwards. I talked about this a ton last year during Ant's rookie year, but his when Anthony Edwards gets downhill, nobody can stop him. 
Um, and he's a good enough shooter and a, a becoming a good enough decision maker. If you just watch the first quarter, I think Ant had 10 points in the first quarter before he took his first rest. And he scored in a variety of ways. He got to the rim. He stopped at the free throw line right around the elbow and, and hit a jumper. And he had a couple of really nice assists, both from the perimeter and then while driving. Um, as a distributor in dribble handoff situations, if Edwards starts to take this to the next level um, and and beyond just getting downhill and getting to the bucket and scoring or shooting, a you know, stopping and popping and shooting a three, if he's able to, and, and we're seeing this already, but if consistently he's able to, stop on a dime and hit, hit the roller in a dribble handoff or, um, you know, pass to the opposite, to the weak side corner to an open shooter, those types of passes, if they become second nature to him, he will be quite literally unstoppable, um, with his already, his shooting touch from the outside, his ability, obviously to get to the rim, his mid range shooting touch looks improved this year as well. And adding the distribution aspect to his game is just going to be phenomenal. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt got the start in this one, the first game that he started, the first game that Josh Kogi did not start this season, which by the way, we'll talk about this later, but Josh Kogi did not see the floor for one minute tonight. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily something that will be a regular occurrence, but notable nonetheless. Vando started, he basically drew the assignment of guarding Giannis Attentacupo, although the Wolves did bring doubles when Giannis caught the ball with his back to the basket. One of my critiques on Vando as a perimeter defender, and we'll talk a lot more about Vanderbilt later, I promise. And as everybody that's a regular listener knows, I have been on Vando now for, since the Wolves traded for him nearly two years ago, a year and nine months ago or whatever it was. I thought he was a fantastic acquisition then. I will continue to toot my own horn for saying that at the time and throughout the last year and a half. But anyway, we'll we'll do more of that later, I promise. Um, he's, Vanderbilt as a perimeter defender, he isn't quite quick enough laterally to stay in front of some guys. But Giannis is one of the guys who, because he, Giannis is comfortable playing with his back to the basket. And so a lot of times he'll take the ball in the perimeter and dribble himself into a post-up. And Vando's more than fine letting him shoot jumpers. And Giannis actually made jumpers. He made three threes in this game. He'd only made one in the Bucks' first three games of the season. But for the most part, it was at least able to slow him down because Vanderbilt's a big enough and strong enough body and avoided getting into foul trouble too. Giannis got his numbers. He scored 40 in this game and he was fantastic, but he made Giannis work for it and and made him make jumpers to do it. And I thought that was a really shrewd move by Finch to put him in the starting lineup and put him on Giannis. All right, rest of the game flow. Carlton Towns did not attempt a field goal until the 3.30 mark in the first quarter. He made a three, and that was his first shot attempt of the game. Lots of dribble handoffs. Again, I mentioned that with Ant. Uh, This was also prevalent in the first quarter when there were minutes with D'Lo and Patrick Beverly on the floor with Carl Anthony Towns, and there was kind of a Towns-Russell dribble handoff action, and Russell stopped and kicked it to Patrick Beverly, spacing out in the corner for an open three. Those types of actions where you can play either Beverly or Russell off the ball, the other one ball handling, and Towns is your screener, that's the sort of thing when they traded for Patrick Beverly, I talked about on the show, The uh, that's the thing you couldn't do with Ricky Rubio, right? Rubio, those, those pieces are not interchangeable. Rubio, you know, two years ago with Phoenix was pretty good as a, as a spot up corner three-point shooter, above average. He was not last year. Patrick Beverly is well above average for his career and so is D'Angelo Russell. And so those parts are interchangeable. You can play the two point guards together and, and it works. Um, the second quarter, the Wolves started with an interesting lineup. D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley at the three, Torian Prince at the four, and Nas Reed at the five. For the most part, it worked. And uh, the Wolves crossed the 50-point threshold at 
just under 11 minutes left in the second quarter. Then the Bucks went on a 16-2 run after the Wolves had built a 20-point lead. They cut it to a six-point lead. The Wolves stabilized things. They were up still by eight at halftime. They were plus six on the boards at halftime, which, by the way, is the margin. They finished the game plus six. In the second half, uh, Jade McDaniels got into the party when it came to rebounding the ball. The Wolves all night, except for that stretch in the fourth quarter when the Bucks made their final push, the Wolves beat the Bucks on the glass. And it was it was impressive from a team that got slaughtered on the glass by the Pelicans twice, both in the win and in the loss on Saturday and Monday. The Wolves actually extended their lead to 15 to start the fourth quarter. They were still up 14 with four minutes left. So uh, in my head, you know, right after watching the game, I was like, ah, the Wolves fourth quarter wasn't great. You look at the box score. It doesn't look like it was great. They got uh, outscored by what? Overall in the fourth quarter, outscored by 10, 29 to 19 in the fourth. But they actually still led by 14 with four minutes left in the game. So this was a 15 point lead. The Bucks had only shaved one point off in the first eight minutes of the fourth quarter. But that's when the Wolves offense got stagnant. That's when they had a couple of of isolation type possessions from D'Lo and Edwards. Um, there were some missed shots. And they couldn't stop the Bucs. The Bucs got a series of offensive rebounds late in the game. And a Chris Middleton shot made this a two-point game, a one-possession game with 35 seconds left, just under 35 seconds. But then Edwards came down, got one-on-one with Chris Middleton, who's a fantastic and really long defender, took him to the rim, made a left-handed layup, was fouled, put the Wolves up uh, four, but then he missed the free throw. Giannis came down, got a relatively easy bucket in the paint. The Wolves thankfully didn't follow him. So it's still a two-point game at that point with just under 10 seconds to play. But Edwards got the inbounds play, was fouled, and made both free throws that time to effectively put it away. And the Wolves ended up winning by five after D'Lo made a final free throw down the stretch. So um, not great in the final four minutes of the game overall. But when the one play needed to happen, unfortunately, it got to that point. But Edwards made that play. He made the tough shot through the contact. And uh, that was the biggest singular play of the game. The Wolves held on at the end. Okay, next I want to get into key takeaways from the game. And there were several. I've already kind of alluded to a couple of them in the first uh, part of the show here. So I want to do key takeaways and then highlight some individual performances, look at individual studs and duds. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our fantastic friends over at rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com, both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers now for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, to even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Let's also talk about betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit 
Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football to basketball, baseball, postseason to NHL, boxing, and UFC, right on down to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Again, betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome, welcome bonus. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and talk key takeaways from Wolves-Bucks. So there's there's a lot of things we could talk about here from this game. This was, again, wire-to-wire, really impressive by the Timberwolves. Um, so we could take this in a number of directions. Number one, I want to talk about the offense a little bit. I, I did, I guess, off the top here, just m- doing more things offensively, right? Instead of simply relying on... and. I've talked about this before, but the Ryan Saunders offense going back a year was a little bit more complicated. It wasn't quite the flip Saunders offense, but there were a lot of different things that they did. And then at times it kind of devolved into the flip side, right? It was a lot of isolation and and hero type ball. Um, But the Chris Finch offense, while there's more exotic sets, it's much more of a read and react offense, right? So it's putting Towns in a position to be the fulcrum of the offense, not exactly how the Nuggets use Nikola Jokic. And I suspect, by the way, that we'll see more sets with Towns as the quote unquote fulcrum in the mid post, high post at the elbows. I think we'll see more of that as the year goes on. Right now, they're in a more simple, and this was part of my complaint over the weekend uh, on Saturday and on Monday, just not running much. And Chris Finch alluded to this, it basically said it, in the media that they haven't spent any time in practice on offense really at all. It's been all defense because they just kind of figured we've got enough offensive talent. We've got Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards. We've got guys that can get buckets. Um, as it turns out, you still need to practice it. And we started to see the implementation of some more stuff in this game, far more dribble handoffs, far more general motion on the offensive end of the floor than we'd seen at least early in the game. And maybe not so coincidentally when the Wolves scored 44 points in the first quarter, not coincidentally at all. Um, we saw so much more of this getting Ant downhill, um, getting Towns open three-point attempts. Um, some of those by design, some he's so good as a trailer in in transition and the Wolves do a good job of looking for him as a trailer in transition. Uh, but just more creative offensive actions by the Timberwolves. And, and that was a ton of fun to watch. Second takeaway, the rotation, I, this is going to be kind of c- a continuous thing as we, as we see... Chris Finch's idealized rotation maybe start to show itself. And I really think we're going to be talking about this all season because it's going to depend on matchups. He's not afraid to not just put a guy in a box and say, this is your role. I don't think Josh Okoge is suddenly out of the rotation. I think he was just out of the rotation in this game. I think maybe if uh, Drew Holiday plays, maybe he's on Drew Holiday. I bet if they play this game and Drew Holiday plays, Josh Okoge plays in a in a Wolves-Bucks game uh that Drew Holiday's in. I, I think that I think if they played again in a week, Okoge would be in the rotation. I bet he's probably in the rotation against the Nuggets on Saturday. The Nuggets have some wings, whether it's Will Barton or or you know whoever else. They've got some guys that Okoge's going to need to guard. The Wolves need another perimeter defender besides Patrick Beverly and uh, obviously Jaden McDaniels. But against the Bucks in this game. They wanted McDaniels on Chris Middleton primarily, and they wanted uh, Jared Vanderbilt on Giannis primarily. And yeah, Giannis scored an efficient 40 points and had 16 and seven, only two turnovers. You look at the line and you think, man, it was all Giannis. He killed the Wolves. Yeah, but they also forced Giannis to to take some jumpers, which he made to his credit. He's 
obviously not a very good three-point shooter at all. And he was three of six outside the arc in this game. Um, but they also, Jaden McDaniels limited Chris Middleton to 16 points on six of 16 shooting, one of eight outside the arc in this game for Chris Middleton. And I talked uh, in the in the preview on Wednesday for this game, they couldn't let George Hill or Pat Connaughton go off. George Hill and Pat Connaughton combined to shoot five of 18 from the field for just 15 points. The two of them combined. Um, and uh, I, that was well done by the Timberwolves. That was, uh, that's exactly what they needed to do. They let Giannis get his, which is exactly what I was hoping that they would do from a, from a design standpoint defensively. He's, I mean, Anthony Edwards said this post game, the guy's huge. You can't stop him. You can't stop Giannis, right? He's the MVP for a reason. Um, or, you know, a couple years ago, I guess, but just let him score, limit what he can do as much as you can, and don't let anybody else beat you. And that's what the Wolves did. And the rotation was a reflection of what the Wolves' strategy was. So no Josh Okoge in the rotation. We only saw five minutes of Jordan McLaughlin. That was middle of the second quarter. And it uh, part of it overlapped with when the Wolves let their lead start to lapse. That was when the Wolves actually brought him into the game. I believe, um, I believe he came in uh, for Patrick Beverly to play with D'Angelo Russell, if I'm not mistaken, is when McLaughlin came into the game, like eight, eight and a half minute mark of the second quarter, which I thought was interesting. He didn't record a single statistic. He had one foul that was it. He was a minus six in five minutes. So McLaughlin remains kind of on the fringes of the rotation. Okogie was out of the rotation. Nasrid only played 10 minutes because again, to this point this season, we've only seen him play in relief of Towns instead of alongside him, which I think is still mostly what we're going to see. But one of the things Finch tried doing last year that I'd always wanted Ryan Saunders to do, and he basically never did, is play Nas with Towns. And again, matchups are going to dictate that. Maybe if Brooke Lopez played, we could have seen that, but probably not. I don't think we're there. I don't think the Wolves have played an opponent that that would seem to make a ton of sense. But for his part, Nas was great in his 10 minutes. He scored seven points, had a rebound. He held his own. He had a nice dunk, nice and one uh, bucket in the paint as well. Um, strong game from him. But uh, I think that 15 to 20, 22 minutes for the the trio of Torian Prince, Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley is about where we're going to live with McLaughlin and Akogi kind of in and out and on the fringes of the rotation, depending on matchups. I think those are probably the two guys that we might see. You know, there's there's the top nine, right? It's the starters, um, which I guess was Akogi until this game. But I think it's the five guys who started tonight against the Bucks, And then it's Prince, Reed, Beverly, and Beasley, and then McLaughlin and Okogie are going to be your fringe rotation guys. Depending on matchups, they may or may not see uh, a ton of minutes here moving forward. A um, couple things here, final takeaways. Knowing your role as a player is super important. I've talked about this on the show before, and there's certain guys that do. Jared Vanderbilt is one of those guys, and it's what makes him so effective at what he does. He knows his job is to pester the other team defensively, to crash the glass on both ends of the floor. He had 13 rebounds, seven defensive, six offensive rebounds. Um, and to you know, sit in the dunker spot, get out in transition and, and do what you can offensively, be decisive in your role, right? Make the quick pass, rotate the ball around the perimeter, find a cutter. Uh, don't hold the ball if you're Jared Vanderbilt, right? Because what's he... Nothing good can happen if Jared Vanderbilt is holding the ball. He's not a jump shooter. You don't want him putting the ball on the floor to try and score. He's a pretty good passer and he's athletic, right? So you want him around the rim or you want him in transition. Vando knows his role and that's fantastic. I think sometimes that's a concern with Josh Okogi. I talked about that Monday. He started getting a little too comfortable offensively and started thinking, oh, I can, you know, I could, <laughs> I could put the ball on the floor and get into the paint. No, we'd really rather you not do that, Josh Kogi. We'd rather you be a cutter. We'd rather you get out and transition offensively. 
and otherwise sit in the dunker spot or maybe, you know, set some screens and, and that's kind of your role. And maybe you play at the elbow and some horn sets and, and that's what you do. But unfortunately, he tried to do too much. In this game, Jared Vanderbilt did exactly what the Wolves asked of him. Malik Beasley is another example of a guy who is going to be asked to take on a different role than he has often had in recent years or ever in his career. Well, I guess going back to his Denver days, he did before he got the big contract in Minnesota. But he's going to be asked to be the sixth man type guy now. And that means he's not going to play 30 minutes a game in most cases. And he's not going to score 20 points a game in most cases. He struggled from the floor. He has to this point this season, but he hit two late three pointers in this game. I think third, I think maybe early fourth quarter. And those were important for him. And and he's another player who's going to need to continue to figure out what his role actually is. Um, and, uh, and I think he's on his way. But Vanderbilt's the epitome of that. He gets it. He knows what he's supposed to do. Obviously, Patrick Beverly is a veteran Torian Prince. Those guys know what they're doing. Now we need to see Malik Beasley wrap his mind around, hey, instant offense, off the bench, just come out, come out firing, which isn't usually an issue for Malik Beasley, but make the extra pass when it's there and just know you're going to play 20 minutes a game and that's going to be your jam right now. And uh, if he can fit into that role, this is going to be a really, a, a really, really dangerous team. I've talked the last two months about how deep this team truly is. People don't realize how deep this roster is. Malik Beasley is going to be a big part of that. And if he sinks or swims, depending on which direction that goes, that's going to have a major impact. Okay. I want to close by talking individual studs and duds and a couple of additional, um, you know, statistics that stuck out to me. First though, let's talk about Postmates. Hmm. Do you smell that? It's a, it's a burger. My favorite. There's a burger, uh, cheese, um, fried onions, fantastic from a local place that I love to get from Postmates. But you know what the best part is? Not just that I had a delicious burger from a local restaurant in my neighborhood, but that it showed up at my door because I ordered it with Postmates. With Postmates, I get all my favorite foods from the local restaurants in my neighborhood delivered. No leaving the house and even better, no getting in the car or having to find a parking spot. Postmates isn't all just burritos and sushi either. I can order things like toothpaste and phone chargers on demand too. That's because places like Walgreens and 7-Eleven are also on Postmates. My favorite part, when the app lets me know that my food or items have been delivered, everything is right outside my door. So cool. It never gets old. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorite foods or that one thing you forgot to get from the store and get it delivered on demand. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving just our listeners a little something. New customers will get 50% off your first five orders of $50 or more when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA to get 50% off your first five orders of $50 or more. Max savings of $100 per order. Just download the Postmates app or sign up online. It's super easy. Offer subject to change in taxes and fees. Apply offer valid for 30 days after you add the promo code to your account. Let's also talk about SweatBlock. We've been talking about SweatBlock now for several weeks here on the show. And uh, those are the wipes that stop sweat for seven days. It seems that people have been listening. We have friends of Locked On who have tried SweatBlock and they absolutely love it. We have a story here about a high school teacher. He would pit out by fourth period. He'd hear the snickers and whispers from his students. So he started bringing a second shirt to change into between classes. Then he heard about SweatBlock on our program here on the Locked On Network. He tried it and is now hooked. No more snickers, no more second shirt. Straight out of Hollywood, we have a producer who is working on the set of a Marvel movie. Perhaps you've heard of it. She was working 18-hour days for weeks in the Atlanta heat. She heard about SweatBlock, started trying it, and loves it. No more sweaty production days. She even reports that one of the A-list actors uses it, maybe the green one, 
if you know who I'm talking about. So stay dry on, or to stay dry on set and on the red carpet. Another success story about an avid soccer player. He heard us talking about sweat block and thought it was too good to be true, but he was always the wettest guy after practice and games, like soaking wet. So he thought he'd give sweat block a try. He tried it on his pits. The next practice, his pits were dry while everything else was wet. He says he didn't have to reapply for nine days. And now he's a true believer. There you go. Lockdown listeners loving sweat block. You can stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. Doctor created and doctor recommended. And there's a dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. And it's not just for your armpits, your chest, back, feet, hands. You can use it anywhere. And I mean anywhere that sweats. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code Locked on, or you can pick it up at Amazon and CVS. But again, sweatblock.com promo code locked on for 20% off. Sweatblock.com promo code locked on. Okay, um, let's go ahead and talk about individual studs and duds from this game. And a little bit of a spoiler. I'm not going to pick a dud. I, I can't. I mean, the Wolves beat the defending champs. They led wire to wire. Nobody really had a bad individual game. I'm not, I mean, Torian Prince was 0-3 from outside the arc. He was fantastic defensively. Jordan McLaughlin didn't do much in five minutes, but he only played five minutes. There's no naming a dud in this game. I'm instead going to completely cheat on my rules here, and I'm going to name four studs because I have to. Um, number one, D'Angelo Russell. We have to give him some props. He was awful on Saturday. He was awful on Monday against the Pelicans, both those games against the Pels. And actually outside of that stretch against the Rockets third quarter, I think it was back on opening night a week ago, he was pretty bad in the first game of the season too. D'Lo was really good in this game, especially early 29 points, six assists, five rebounds, three turnovers, shot 12 of 25 from the field. He did only make three of his 11 threes. He started the game hot and struggled from three late. But still, 29 points on just under 50% shooting, six assists, five rebounds. The Wolves will take that from D'Lo if that's the D'Lo that they get. And also, aggressive defensively. There were a couple of really impressive defensive plays that D'Lo made in this one. Um, and again, it goes to his size, his length, his no... He's a smart basketball player. He just has to put forth the effort defensively. And with the scheme the Wolves are using and with how aggressive the vast majority of his teammates are defensively, he just needs to hold his own. And, you know, be opportunistic when he gets the opportunity to grab a steal, uh, things like that. And we saw that in this game. Offensively, he was pretty good. Uh, very good, actually. Um, number two, Carl Anthony Towns. This is a weird line for him. Um, 25 points, five assists, only three rebounds, three blocks and a steal. But he shot nine of 13 from the field, including three of five from the three point line and four of five from the free throw line. He also had seven turnovers in this game. But he was also a plus seven, which tied for the second best mark on the Timberwolves. So I'm going to give him a stud because he was consistently effective in this game, was ultra efficient. Turnovers weren't great. He only was called for one foul. Um, and I mean, he didn't complain to the officials at all. And there were a couple of times where the towns we saw on Monday or really any other game in his career would have complained and I'm not advocating for him to never disagree with an official again, but it was a it was a very clear shift in demeanor that was 100% intentional from Towns in this game. And it allowed him to be more even keel, more uh, just calm in general. And it worked. At 25, five and three, seven turnovers isn't great, but 25 points on 13 shots, that is efficiency. 
And this was an impressive performance. And when the Wolves were struggling in the second half, Towns was there. I mean, he had a couple of nice, uh, I guess his three-pointers, I think, were all in the first half. But um, he had he had a couple of nice plays where, you know, Pat Bev got him a nice dunk under the hoop. Towns was in the right spot, uh, setting good screens. I mean, just active offensively, even when it was, and this is what the Wolves fell into a little bit on Monday, D'Lo and Ant both get the ball in their hands and they want to take over late in the game. But Towns is there and he's ready to 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 be part of the offense late in the games. And I want to see that a little bit more moving forward to see him a little bit more involved in crunch time. But overall, an impressive performance from Cat. He deserves a stud for this game. Anthony Edwards probably wasn't going to get one until the crunch time bucket, but still a solid game. 25 points, seven rebounds, three assists, nine of 24 shooting isn't, isn't great, but it's not horrible. Um, Again, 25-7, three assists is steal, only two turnovers in 33 minutes. Um, a little interesting, he only played 33 minutes in this game. Cat played 38. Uh, but then again, the Wolves also wanted to make, you know, Patrick, their best, the Wolves' best bench players are also wings, right? Prince, Beverly, Beasley. Um, so it makes sense that Edwards would take a little bit more of a break. He did only shoot two of 10 from outside the arc. Um, and, the you know, him shooting 10 threes, I would have liked him to get through him a little bit more in this game, but he did that when it mattered. He didn't settle for a three when they were up two with 30 seconds left. He took Middleton to the rack and he scored through contact. Um, so a good game overall from Ant and the biggest shot of the night. Jared Vanderbilt is the fourth stud. And truthfully, if I was, I, these are in no particular order, I would rank him higher in terms of his importance to the game. 10 points, 13 rebounds, three assists and a steal, only one turnover, which means he wasn't getting the ball in, in, uh, in, unadvantageous positions, which happened occasionally too much last year when he was overextended 30 minutes for Vando in this game. I didn't look this up, but that's got to be close to a career high 10 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, a steal, only one turnover in 30 minutes, four of six shooting made both of his free throw attempts was simply very active on both ends of the floor. And I have been singing his praises for months. He is such a perfect fit for this Timberwolves team next to towns. Um, I, I mean, he brings enough. You know, well, actually, in this case, he's a better fit offensively than Josh Okogie because he's an even lower usage player in the sense that he's not looking for his shot ever. Josh occasionally does, and that can be an issue because he's not a very good offensive player. Vando, again, knows his role. So if he's more valuable offensively, he's he's a much better rebounder than Okogie, and he's call it 80% of the defender that Josh Okogie is on the perimeter but he can also guard bigs and he's a little more switchable onto bigger players than Akogi because of his size, because of his length. He's also athletic. Um, then why not play him instead of Akogi more frequently? Now I said this earlier, I think Finch will play the matchups much more closely than that. Um, but heavy Vando minutes and probably starting lineup are the things that need to happen. And a reminder, I said this throughout preseason. I thought Vanderbilt would be in the starting lineup. I thought the fifth starter would be Vando. I thought that Beasley would be in the lineup and, and McDaniels would come off the bench. But this may be the regular starting lineup now that we see with Vanderbilt at the four and McDaniels at the three. And I think it's amazing. The length uh, on the wing, Edwards, McDaniels, and Vanderbilt, the length on that wing, the athleticism, it's incredible. Um, and, and Vanderbilt was everything he needed to be in this game. This was, I said this last year, there were a number of games where it was like, let's bottle this. This is the perfect Jared Vanderbilt game. And then you'd have a game where he had the the bad Vando game, right? But if he starts in two out of every three games is the good Vando game, and this is this is what that is, um, I mean, that's great. That's what you want at the four. That's what you want next to Towns. If he was like two inches taller 
it would be a perfect scenario, right? Um, but he is such a great fit next to Towns, and uh, I'm pumped that he got the chance to be in the starting lineup, and we'll see if he's there again on Saturday against Denver. Be a little surprised if he's not, given this performance. Um, a couple of last uh, stats I'll leave you with. I called out Edwards and uh, Russell for struggling from outside the arc. They combined to shoot just 5 of 22 from deep, but the Wolves as a team were just 13 of 45. That's 28.9%. The Bucks were only 27.5%, so neither team shot the ball well from deep. And so that kind of covered up the Wolves' issues. Um, and the Wolves did a pretty good job defending without fouling. They made their free throws and they got to the line. And they finished the game plus six in, a, in the rebounding category, which is vital to uh, winning games when they struggle to shoot the ball so much uh, from the outside. And um, I mean, a lot of that's credit to Vanderbilt, right? He led the team in boards with 13. And if you would have told me Cat only gets three rebounds, there's I would have said there's no chance the Wolves are plus six on the boards at the end of the night, but they were. Um, and, you know, Towns rebounding the ball, that's going to need to get figured out. He's got to do more than three. Uh, but I didn't mention this earlier. Jade, or excuse me, Jade McDaniels had 11 rebounds. Um, and that's got to be close to a career high for him too. That's one of the biggest issues with him is his lack of rebounding, generally speaking. But turns out when you get to play a four like Vando next to him and McDaniels can slide down to the three, he becomes that much more valuable and that much more effective as a rebounder because he's not asked to overextend himself to be trying to box out and rebound over much bigger fours. He can beat his matchup that's a three and presumably a lot smaller than a lot of the guys he'd face at the four. Um, He's going to be a much better rebounder if those are the guys he's matched up against. Um, So that's another... I don't want to call it unintended. It's certainly an intended, an ancillary benefit of putting Vando at the four is sliding McDaniels to the three and allowing him to be more effective rebounding the ball there. And I should mention Ant also had seven rebounds. I guess I said that a minute ago, but um, for Cat to have the least amount of rebounds of anyone in the starting lineup, that's got to be the first time that's ever happened. Uh, but at any rate, really impressive wire to wire win for the Timberwolves uh, was just a ton of fun. And, um, you know, hopefully this is, this leads into a fantastic weekend for the Wolves. They're in Denver, or excuse me, at home to play Denver at Target Center on Saturday night. So we'll of course talk about that on Friday show. We'll do a quick preview of Wolves Nuggets. Look at, check in on where the Nuggets have, uh, have been so far this year, how they've been playing their injury, injury situation. And of course we'll do the weekend post game pod following Saturday's game leading into Halloween on Sunday. Uh, we'll do the weekend show all about Wolves Nuggets on Saturday, win or lose. We'll do this all again. So, and of course, we'll be back Friday previewing that as well. So be sure if you're not already following or subscribed to the show that you do so anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you for making Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that Locked on Wolves is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.